0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of b Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer along with you here on Thursday, September 2nd. It's been about a week since we've spoke. Welcome back into the show. A lot to talk about. I mentioned on the last episode that I had some friends coming into town and would probably be sporadic over the next week. Well, it was more than sporadic. It was more of a hiatus. But if you remember the last episode... It was a little lower quality, not that any of them are very good quality to begin with, but my old laptop was crapped out. It was done. I ended up making that episode, the most recent one before today's, on my Chromebook, and that was an adventure. Just couldn't use Audacity like I normally do, and so it was a disaster that I didn't wish to relive until I was able to get a new laptop. It just meant... A little pause for the show, but I went to Best Buy today, made the purchase. We're testing it out right now for the first time, so hopefully everything goes smoothly and we'll have more B-Shape Daily on a daily basis in your immediate future. Appreciate you guys for joining along. Let's get into some Cardinals baseball. The most recent series against the Cincinnati Reds could have gone better, but even as it went, was okay for the Cardinals. Two out of three wins. You get the first game of the doubleheader. It's always a downer to then lose the final game of a doubleheader because when you split a doubleheader, it's hard to feel like you gained any ground at all because you finished the day one and one. That's what the Cardinals did on Wednesday. After a nice win in the afternoon, the night game was not theirs for the taking. It just, 12-2 loss from the very beginning. The starting pitching, Jay Happ was not on his game You saw a performance from Hap, more similar to what had happened to him with Frequency when he was with the Minnesota Twins earlier this season. Only gets one inning, seven runs, all earned, eight hits, two homers. He got absolutely blasted, and the bullpen wasn't much better. Fernandez and Ponce de Leon both giving up a couple of runs. You saw the debut of Brandon Dixon, who we'll talk about a little bit, as he was one of the September call-ups for the Cardinals, along with Ali Sanchez, gave up a run in an inning of work. Alex Reyes struck out the side in his only inning, but that was kind of a let's-just-get-him-some-work sort of deal, knowing the off day was coming. They put him in a a familiar position as the last Cardinals reliever, a little less familiar of a position, given that it comes in the downside of a 12-2 game in seven innings on Wednesday. So where the Cardinals are at ultimately right now, standings-wise, it's not bad. You know, they're two and a half games behind Cincinnati. They do ultimately gain a little bit of ground on the Reds in that series. Could have been so much better. And, and that's really the note that we're on right now, because the most recent game that happened was a game that Cardinals fans look at and say, okay, this is this is where they were going to let me down. I'm back. You know, just when they try to pull me back in, they do something like this. I can't trust that this is a postseason caliber team. And then you look at the schedule upcoming. They've got a tough series against the Brewers. Then they take on the Dodgers at home for a four-gamer. It doesn't get much easier throughout the remainder of September for this Cardinals team. It's a lot of tough clubs. It's a lot of contending teams, other teams that would like as well to make the postseason. And so we're through that portion of the schedule now where we talked about in August, the Cardinals had it all laying there before them. They had a chance to gain ground in the standings, and it was going to be really great. Well, they didn't quite take full advantage of those opportunities, but they're in a position now where if they are the team with that intestinal fortitude that can make some moves against other quality opponents, they've got a chance right now in September to do that. Took two of three from the Reds. Got to find a way to take two or three from the Brewers. You can't really make a habit of losing series over the rest of the regular season if you're wanting to make the playoffs, because right now the Reds are that team in the driver's seat of the postseason, of the wild card the second spot in the National League. You've got some other teams to contend with. The San Diego Padres, that was a team that was in that driver's seat for the the bulk of the season before recently going on a downturn. They still haven't really turned things around, only winning four of their last ten, whereas the Cardinals have won six of their last ten. So slowly but surely, the Cardinals are making up ground. Something else to watch, though, the Philadelphia Phillies are on a hot streak. They've won five games in a row, and at this point in the season... They're tied with the Cardinals, four games above 500. And so it's not just the Padres, it's not just the Reds, it's also Philadelphia that you've got to keep an eye on as they trail Atlanta for their division by two games right now after Atlanta loses a few. And so you're in a spot now where either Atlanta or Philadelphia, they're in wild card contention. And, and don't look too far behind you at the Mets. They're below 500, New York is, but they've won three games straight. And in reality, that's only three behind the Cardinals, and you do play the Mets once more this season. So it's going to be a, a crowded wild card picture. What needed to happen was the Padres coming back down to earth and, and allowing the field to kind of catch up with them, and that has happened. And so at this point, San Diego is just one of the many teams that could conceivably lock down that second wild card If the Cardinals wanted to be them, They're going to have to have more consistent performances. You can't have the the games like Game 2 on Wednesday where from the third inning, I mean, shoot, it wasn't even the third inning. You have a seven-inning, or pardon me, a seven-run inning in the second that you know at that point this game is over. Tommy Ebbin led things off with a home run in the top of the first, got the Cardinals on the board that way. But from there, there's not a lot your offense can do when you give up 11 runs in two innings. Pardon me, in three innings. They go 2-7-2 two, two with the runs that the Cardinals gave up in that game too. Game one was the kind of win that can give you a little bit of confidence about this team. You pretty much have to thank Paul Goldschmidt for his contributions in that game. He hit two home runs. He has unequivocally been the Cardinals' best hitter, not only on the season, but especially of late, having lapped Nolan Arenado for sure in the OPS department as Aronado now at an 805 OPS dipping below the 800 mark prior to a home run that he hit late in that game two. So that was one bright spot from game two. Aronado going deep to kind of hopefully reverse some of the trends he's had offensively of late, but Goldschmidt at 848 in OPS that's ahead of Tyler O'Neill. Who's at 846. No other Cardinal besides Aronado is above 800. So It's been Paul Goldschmidt that's really carried this team of late, has been able to find his stroke. You remember earlier in the season, some concern about Goldschmidt. He just wasn't hitting the ball as hard, uh, certainly not with as much consistency. You saw the strikeout numbers go up. Since then, though, he's been on an absolute tear to where now you look at his season-long stats, and they're pretty good. 287 batting average in, in an era where batting average has kind of been thrown by the wayside in today's MLB that's not a a bad mark at all 24 homers 82 RBIs and Goldie has kind of reignited the stolen base element of his game this season that we haven't seen as much prior to this in his Cardinals career he's already in the double digits and so that's nice to see from Goldie he's a guy who at one point was a 30-30 guy I believe in multiple seasons he had 30 homers 30 steals he definitely probably doesn't have the foot speed that he had at one point in his time but he still knows how to run the bases Very smart base runner. Takes the opportunities when the pitchers give them to him. And he's got 10 steals this season. An OPS of 848. You know, is that his career numbers? No, his career mark is 908 for OPS. He's declining, right? He's going to turn 34 years old here coming up on September 10th. But I still think Paul Goldschmidt has a lot of fine years left in him. And he's showing that right now. Right now he's performing at the peak of whatever you could hope anybody could do. What he's done over the last weeks and months to raise his profile to where it is right now, 848 OPS. Yes, is it below his career norms? It is. Has he historically been a slow starter, irregardless of his age? Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, even going back to his Arizona days, he typically heats up as the summer does. And we've seen that play out again this season for Paul Goldschmidt. But I think you don't have to worry about him as an anchor player of the Cardinals for several seasons to come. I saw a lot of questions on social media and fans kind of wondering if, uh-oh, are the Cardinals on the hook for something here with Paul Goldsmith early in the season when he wasn't performing? I think Paul Goldsmith is just the kind of player that you're going to look up at the end of each season, and his numbers are simply going to be there. Sometimes there's going to be inconsistencies guess what? That's baseball, that's sports in general. It's not easy. And so there are going to be times throughout a season where, for whatever reason, a player is not performing to his capabilities. Paul Goldschmidt is as acutely aware of those times as any player would ever be and always constantly doing whatever he can to to fix those things, taking extra batting practice at times where he feels he needs it, continuing to have a good mental approach to hopefully allow those times where you do slump to be not prolonged, to be able to get through those moments in, in in valleys and get back to the peaks as quickly as possible. Paul Goldschmidt is as conditioned as any player to do that. He's showing it right now, and in Game One on Wednesday, he's the reason the Cardinals won that game because his two home runs end up more than being the difference in that five to four contest. As you get good pitching efforts from the Cardinals bullpen after a, a little bit of a tough start by Miles Michaelis. He ends up getting the ball, was supposed to pitch on Tuesday. That was the game that got rained out. But Michaelis ends up getting the ball in game one on Wednesday of that doubleheader and goes just three innings, gives up four runs. Uh, Mike Schilt basically said it was kind of like a thousand paper cuts is the way that the Reds got to him in that game. Didn't give up any home runs, did give up a few doubles, so I, I kind of... Should bring that up. I don't know about a a thousand tiny paper clips, because you do give up enough base hits, enough extra base hits that can sometimes come back to haunt you and it's not much of a surprise when it does. Five hits in just three innings, only one walk. So, you know, it's just one of those games for Michaelis. Hopefully health checks out and everything is okay there. But then it was the Cardinals bullpen. You get into a seven-inning ball game. Good on Mike Schilt for pulling Michaelis as early as he did there's no reason in a seven inning game to try and stretch that out if your starter just doesn't have it that day if it's not working out make a change and the Cardinals did their job to score runs in each of the first four innings of this one to get to Wade Miley granted Paul Goldschmidt responsible for the bulk of that going two for two with three RPIs two home runs and two walks he was on base four times did his job Cardinals in this game overall did well 14 hits you look up and down the batting order. O'Neill had a couple of knocks. Carlson had two as well. Harrison Bader was another guy who we should praise for his performance from Game 1. He went 3-4 for four and got back into the ledger with another home run. His 10th of the season. It's been a rough time for Bader. If I were doing podcasts last week, I was talking to people in messages and saying, yeah, the next podcast I do need to kind of address Harrison Bader. The fact that you know his OPS had dipped below 700. He's back up now to 700. Uh, twenty-four, or I should say, that's after game one. I should pull up the game two stats to give you the fully updated numbers on Harrison Bader. Uh, but the numbers were rough for him. For a while, he has not been the same hitter, and we did a full podcast episode at one point praising the kind of player he could be if he could just be a league average contributor offensively. Given what he does defensively, that's very valuable. Well, he has not lived up to that billing of a league average player offensively. Uh, even after game two, he went over 2, is it at 719 for the OPS? Got to get him closer to that 750 range. 740, 750 to really feel solid about his contributions offensively and it is a little frustrating the way it comes and fits and starts for Harris and Bader he'll go on a stretch where he tears up the entire league and looks like the best player the best hitter that you've ever seen for like a few games at a time and then the slumps will come in and so Bader's a momentum player you saw that in game one where he goes three for four he feels it that day in that game and is able to contribute and produce help the Cardinals to a victory again they win that game five to four so every run counts in the homer that he hit for his 10th of the year ends up contributing in a meaningful way to that victory but you just like to see Bader be able to turn those 0 days into one for four or at least reaching base with a walk trying to find his way on base because when he does I think he can feed off of that in a positive way but at this point again when we talked about well where does he fit in the batting order what kind of core piece does he have to fill for the Cardinals to be successful he doesn't have to be that guy batting in the top five even top six in the batting order what he can do from near the bottom of the lineup when he's going can definitely change the trajectory of a game for the Cardinals so yes he needs to be doing more good to see him in game one on Wednesday be able to find and harness some of that rhythm at the plate we'll see moving forward what he's able to accomplish for the Cardinals can kind of take a look back. Cardinals with a three to one win back on Monday against the Reds. That was a really good outing by John Lester, probably the best that we've seen of him. Um, obviously, other storylines going on. Technically now, the Cardinals don't have a closer, but they do. His name is Giovanni Gallegos. I think you saw that over the course of the remainder of the Reds series. Especially, you talk about Game One on Wednesday when the Cardinals won that five to four. I did mention briefly the bullpen. Alex Reyes had been removed from the closer role. Mike Schultz says they're going to go with a committee approach. They're not going to do that. It's going to be Geo. He has really found himself in the last couple of saves opportunities on Monday and Wednesday, throwing scoreless ninth, in, ninth inning. I guess not a ninth inning on Wednesday. It was only a seven inning game. But Gio looking very good once again. Luis Garcia continuing to... Take the opportunities the Cardinals give him and thrive in those opportunities. His ERA down to 2.53. He and McFarland for the month of August didn't give up a run, an earned run in either of them. So that's pretty impressive. Hennessy's Cabrera, though, big bounce back outing for him on Wednesday. Cardinals gave him some time off. And that might have just been game script dependent. That also might have been they knew in that game last Thursday that he was tipping pitches that the Pirates bombarded him, they did so quickly, it was an alarming situation, and so they get him away from game action for close to a week, and he's able to figure things out, looking really good in Game 1 on Wednesday, pitching a couple of innings, yes, he gives up a, a few hits, nothing too damaging, strikes out two, really positive outing for Henesis in that Game 1 on Wednesday, Cardinals are going to need him moving forward. There's no question about that. They've got other players in their bullpen, other relievers that they're hoping to be able to rely upon. You get Cody Whitley back in action. He was a bright spot from game two. But again, at that point, it's already 12-2. Are you really anticipating, uh, or 11-2, are you really anticipating the Reds having the same vigor toward their offensive at-bats as they might have otherwise if it was still a contested game But Whitley could be somebody they they could look to to have more opportunities. But with what you've seen from Garcia, from McFarland, it's been very key for the Cardinals during a time where Alex Reyes has simply struggled. And so hopefully for Reyes, getting him into a different situation, they can perhaps regain some of his confidence as well because the Cardinals are going to need all of these guys. Uh, But Gio's the closer. That's the takeaway from the relief pitching situation with how he's looked the last couple of Of days, Very encouraging for the Cardinals, for sure. Hennessy's bringing it back, hopefully fixed whatever pitch-tipping issues he had. I think that's probably the case, given that, again, he was off for nearly a week between appearances, came back and did his job. Cardinals definitely benefit from that. Over the weekend against the Pirates, we can talk a little bit about that series because that was the one we didn't podcast about at all. Takeaways, you know, Cardinals pitching's got to be better. Obviously, the bullpen... Uh, a big part of the reason they lost the two games that they lost. Ray is blowing the save on Sunday. That was just one that uh, you could just kind of smell it coming. You didn't want it to be true. But ultimately, the Cardinals not able to get out of there, out of Pittsburgh with a series win. Splitting two of four with the Pirates is not the way you want to see it go down. Saturday was great. 13 nothing. There's not much to say about those games. It's great. When the Cardinals are able to do that, you're happy. But to be able to only win two of those four uh, definitely got to classify that as a disappointment for the Cardinals. But now they're able to look ahead. They get the off day on Thursday. They had the off day on Tuesday as well due to rain. I think that can benefit the Cardinals as well. I know you say, well, they had to play two games on Wednesday. I don't think that's a very big deal. I talked about this in the offseason after 2020 when they instituted those seven-inning doubleheaders, which it apparently is not going to be something that sticks around for 22. That's not the expectation. I think you'll see a lot of the rules around baseball pending that new CBA could revert back to what we saw pre-2020, uh, some of the COVID-related you know, related protocols, unless COVID still a significant thing. But then again, does the seven-inning doubleheader really make that big of a difference now for COVID now that you have vaccinations and things of that nature? The one rule I think you'll see change is the doubleheader, or pardon me, not the doubleheader, the other DH designated hitter, I think is going to be universal. You'll have it in the NL. It'll remain in the AL, kind of like we saw in 2020. But otherwise, I think doubleheaders will go back to nine innings. I think a lot of the different rules... Rule changes with the extra inning rule. I think that reversed back if I had to guess based on what we've heard from Major League Baseball and different media leaks that have come out this season. I think a lot of those rules are going to go back. But one thing I was kind of surprised about is that if they were going to go with that seven inning doubleheader, I thought they might start scheduling some of them in. From a player's standpoint, wouldn't you love to just have extra off days throughout the season? I think fans wouldn't like it because a lot of us, you know, we we look forward to games and, and having baseball to watch. And if you're a Cardinals fan and that's your team, you want to be able to see that team play on a nightly basis. And I get that. If you're a player, though, if you're told, hey, you can play 14 innings today to not have to play at all tomorrow, what would you do? And they'd be like, all right. I'll take a Saturday off or whatever. So I thought they might end up trying to implement that to the schedule. It didn't happen, but that's my long winded way of saying, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Cardinals to have that rain out Tuesday. They knew pretty early in the afternoon, they weren't going to be playing that game. And so they were able to kind of rest and take that night off in the middle of the week. And then they get today, the Thursday during today's podcast, we're talking Cardinals baseball, even though they're not playing it. But I think that's a benefit to the Cardinals as well as they get that travel day going to Milwaukee And then they've got the first-place Brewers on tap. It's been a tough challenge for the Cardinals and and many other teams this season. The Brewers definitely playing well. You remember the last time Milwaukee came through St. Louis recently, this was just a couple of weeks ago, it was a really tough matchup for the Cardinals because of the starting pitching that they threw against St. Louis. Well, it's not going to be necessarily a whole lot easier during this series. You won't catch all three, you won't get Peralta, Woodruff, and Corbin Burns, but you are going to see two out of the three. As it is right now, lined up on MLB.com, Wainwright against Freddie Peralta on Friday, September 3rd. That's going to be a great pitching matchup. The Cardinals, there's nobody but Wainwright that you'd rather see rolling right now. You don't have Jack Flaherty. Remains to be seen if he'll pitch again this season. Uh, so Wayne your guy. Cardinals got to start off that series off the on the right foot on Friday. KK is listed as the probable starter, sliding into Jack Flaherty's spot in the rotation. That is the expectation. We'll see what ends up happening on that front as KK will, you know, he was supposed to be in the bullpen. You lose Flaherty. Kwon Young Kim back into the rotation, taking on Adrian Hauser, who's got a 3.69 ERA for the season. He's not the other guys in the rotation, so if you don't have to see Woodruff, that you can chalk that up as a win, although the Cardinals managed to get to Woodruff decently in the previous outing, if I recall correctly. In that game at Busch Stadium a couple of weeks ago, Woodruff gave up six runs on August 19th in a game the Cardinals won. And so, you know, you might say, ah, they want to see him again. I don't think so. I think anytime you don't have to face a Cy Young, Cy Young caliber pitcher, you're fine with it. That won't be the case, though, on Sunday. Corbin Burns is back. I don't see any way the Cardinals beat him. I know that's probably bad to say, but Corbin Burns has been really solid against the Cardinals this season. And for that matter, he's been solid against everyone. This is a guy that, after one start, I'm like, I think this guy could win the Cy Young. Now, whether he will or not, I have no idea, has dealt with some injuries at times throughout the season. But he's definitely a very capable and dominant pitcher, Cardinals are going to have probably a tough time against him on Sunday, but if you can find a way to get through those first two games eh, where you may have a pitching advantage, I don't know about advantage. Freddie Peralta is pretty tough, and as I mentioned, the Cardinals will see him on Friday. But if you've got Wainwright, you feel confident no matter who you're facing if you're the Cardinals. And then on Saturday, Kim KK could absolutely uh, go toe-to-toe with Adrian Hauser. And so if you can come away with those two games, Maybe John Lester does something special again on Sunday against Corbin Burns, but uh, I don't know that you're necessarily expecting that. He he certainly looked great in his last outing on Monday against the Reds. So if you can just find a way to get two out of three, that's really the, the mantra for the Cardinals right now. I think they're close enough that you can say, yes, it is a chip away sort of situation. We talked about a few weeks ago when it was five and a half, four and a half, six and a half games. Back of a wild card spot, you said, where do they want to be on September 1st? Well, where they ended up was two and a half games behind, definitely with an opportunity to get to a half game behind, but they didn't end up putting the bill in that game too. And so that's where they are right now. But I think winning series, that's enough to at least keep you in the mix. And certainly when you look at the series against those contending teams, those teams also vying for wild cards, you got to win them. They play the Padres. They, They see the Reds again in September. So at this point, those are the two biggest series of the season remaining for the Cardinals. When you get Cincinnati, September 10th through 12th, and then you do face the San Diego Padres the following weekend. Both those series are at home at Busch Stadium, so the Cardinals, I keep saying this, they've got it all right there before them, but this series in Milwaukee. Find a way to win two of three, and then you can, yeah, is is it going to be a tough homestand to face the Dodgers and the Reds? Certainly, but... If you're in a position, if you're in striking distance, I think that can give the Cardinals players some confidence. You know, they say, ah, we're just going to do it day at a time, worry about the game ahead of us that day. Don't worry about the postseason picture. Well, we're in September now. You've got to, you're aware of it. Maybe everyone but Paul Goldschmidt on that team is aware of it. I I could concede that it's possible you could play on October 2nd, and he wouldn't know because he is that much of a, a robotic baseball machine. But everybody else, I think, is aware at this point, like, hey, we've done enough to be able to put ourselves in position. Is it a little bit too early to be scoreboard watching? Perhaps. But you know in some of these games that you're facing against teams like the Reds and Padres coming up, there's no scoreboard to worry about other than your own in those games. And so I do think that just the knowledge you're close enough to make a difference, uh, I think that could give the Cardinals a little bit of a confidence boost heading into what I call the final month of the season. You do have that series against the Cubs, October 1 through 3 at Busch Stadium, but that's it. It's September. You'll know by that final weekend whether those games have any meaning or not. So, remains to be seen how the Cardinals will fare, but you're seeing enough lately that I think there's reasons still to be optimistic. I know the fan base mostly is kind of out on this team right now, but you never know. Right now, there's enough. And, And yeah, I think you would like to see a positive development maybe on Jack Flaherty or something get some guys back healthy, but you might just be able to to go with the crew you've got going right now, and that may have to end up being enough. So it is as has always been for the Cardinals, I think. The offense has got to consistently provide, but again, you can't have those games like they did on Wednesday game two where after the second inning, you recognize that there's nothing the offense could possibly do under realistic terms to be able to get that win. So it's where the Cardinals are at right now. I appreciate you guys for joining me today for B-Shape Daily. We're going to wrap everything up here but it has been nice to get back behind the microphone with you all make sure to subscribe to be shaped daily if you've not done so already apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast those are the main three hubs but head on over to anchor.fm slash be 12 click on more platforms and you'll be able to find all the options available to you for your listening pleasure thank y'all once again and we'll talk to you next time on be shaped daily peace